Hey everybody, my name is Aubrey and you're listening to the Faithful Millennial Podcast where I talk about Jesus, Bible prophecy, and world news in hopes to reconnect the millennials and Gen Z generation back to Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here. Hey, everybody, you are listening to the Faithful Millennial Podcast. We are on episode three. Today's subject is going to be a controversial one, um, which I am totally prepared for. But we're going to talk about concerts and are they considered idol worship? Should I as a Christian be attending a concert? Um, I want to start by talking about what first made me think of this subject. So a while ago, this was probably months ago, honestly, Um, I was scrolling on Instagram and I was going through some stories and I saw what I thought was a worship session at like Mercy Hill. And, you know, it was just kind of a dark room with lights and people were standing in a crowd with their hands up. And there was a person at the front, which I thought was a pastor. Um, I keep scrolling and I learn this is not uh, Sunday worship. This is actually someone at a concert. And holy cow, this looks like idol worship. It looks like these people are literally praising this person with their arms up and they're singing songs and they're, um, you get the point. So just to put some imagery in your head, let's look at a Sunday morning worship and then let's compare that to what a concert looks like. So Sunday morning, you wake up, you attend church. What's the first thing you do? Usually you're going to get dressed up in nice clothes drive up to the church, you park your car, you go into the sermon, you worship with your hands up, you sing psalms, you repeat prayers, you worship God amongst your peers. Great, awesome. Um, What do you do when you go to a concert? Well, you get dressed in nice clothes, you drive up to the venue, you park your car, you go into the event, you put your hands up, you sing songs, you repeat the lyrics, um, you, you do hand gestures that the artist is doing. So you kind of understand where I'm going here and where I can get this topic that concerts can definitely look like idol worship. So what's the difference between these two things? So one is for worship, one's for entertainment. But at what point do you draw the line between these two things? Because idol worship is a very real and a very serious problem in today's youth. Whether or not you openly realize you're worshiping versus just being entertained, I feel like that stems from a spiritual discernment. And what a lot of people don't connect the dots together is that the music industry is inherently evil. They don't realize that music is ran by the devil. A lot of people think it's just an innocent form of art and expression. So before I go off and say that every single person who attends a concert is consenting to idol worship, which is not what I'm overall my consensus is, but we do have to define the term idol worship in order to determine what it is. So Worship is a concept that generally refers to the act of um, devoted adoration, directing towards a deity, a divine being, a spiritual entity, or an object. Um, Usually it involves expressing deep respect, love, submission um, through various rituals, ceremonies, prayers, songs, offerings, and other symbolic gestures. And one thing that probably should be addressed is that worship is not confined to a church building or a specific time of the week. Rather, it's really a way of life that encompasses every aspect of your existence. But in Romans 12, 1, the Apostle Paul says to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. 
So this to me implies that our actions, our decisions, our pursuits, our hobbies should be guided by our commitment and our honor to glorify God. So where I draw the line and where I think a lot of Christians feel the same is when you have a musician or an entertainer where you're just fostering this obsession with them that's just totally unhealthy, where you end up dressing like them, you start to act like them, you sing the songs that they sing. Uh, This obsession consumes your thoughts, your time, your resources, and all of these things divert your attention from Christ. So at the end of the day, our chief end is to glorify God. When any form of entertainment becomes the chief end in our life, it becomes an idol and it overtakes God's importance in your life. So our culture specifically idolizes entertainers, and that's an undeniable truth in today's age. Heck, just look at a Taylor Swift concert. Goodness gracious, these people are obsessed with that woman. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 14, it says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from adultery. In Colossians 3, 5, It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So some of the people that you hear today on the radio, Spotify, iTunes, whatever, all they're singing about are these subjects, greed, lust, evil, sexual perversion. Um, Furthermore, those who are producing this music, they want to instill their values and their way of thinking into your mind. So every form of God-hating thought and behavior from blasphemy, sexual perversion, it's undeniably glorified in music. So we've not only allowed the entertainment industry to take our thoughts captive, we've paid them to do it. So we also need to meditate on these words of the Apostle Paul. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and just, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, lovely, commendable, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So are the people that you go to see people that are implying a way of life that's true, honorable, and pure? Or is it worthless thoughts that lead you down the path of destruction? So let me put this disclaimer out there before everyone comes for me. If we're going to go see someone who talks about loving one another, loving their neighbor, helping people, living a simple life, whatever that may be that doesn't go against scripture, as long as we're not idolizing that person and simply just in agreement with their morals and values that aligns with God's values, that to me is completely fine. I believe it can be a healthy, enjoyable um, thing. I understand that not all forms of entertainment are inherently evil and sinful, so God has given us the capacity to enjoy things and to celebrate, so concerts can totally be an occasion for joy and camaraderie. Of course, Um, considering that we always filter that joy through the lens of our faith and don't allow it to overshadow your devotion to God. But I think the key thing to enjoying concerts lies in your priorities. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says to first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So our priorities as Christians is to be in allegiance with God always, and our choices should reflect this. So while concerts can definitely be a form of entertainment and enjoyment, it should never overshadow your commitment to worshiping God. So your eyes and your ears are spiritual portals for demons and artists to attack you from. This music industry knows this. That's why they have low vibrations that keep your spirit just at a low frequency at all times. So not to mention, usually people wouldn't go to concert, usually when people go to concerts, they're drinking, which drinking is also another way to make bad decisions. But um, 
something really interesting I heard recently, which I have never thought about it like this, but I heard a celebrity on TikTok just yesterday. She said that when she lived in Los Angeles, she was at a party and someone told her at that party that they don't drink anymore because drinking allows demons to enter into you and take control of your personality. And that's why when you see people drink, some people get really funny, some people get really violent. Um, it's because those demonic personalities take over and our spirit self, who is self-aware, becomes diminished and we allow something else to take over. Anyway, that's a whole other subject that I'm not going to go into on this episode, but um, you can see how drinking and going to concerts can contribute to idol worship. But um, essentially, when you allow these lyrics that these artists and these verses are saying to repeat in your mind throughout the day, these artists have outright said that these lyrics are witchcraft. They can infiltrate your mind and keep your mind off of God. So that's their purpose. And the music industry in itself is inherently evil and satanic. So there are artists who are not afraid to disclaim and tell the people that they're being interviewed by that they sold their soul or they'll put this satanic imagery or symbolism in their music that they just um, outright put in their lyrics too, that they sold their soul. Like Ariana Grande's song, Break Free, where she says, tonight I'm making deals with the devil and I know it's going to get me in trouble. And by the way, in that music video, she also has the seal of Satan. So in 2021, Travis Scott's Astro World concert, where 10 people died and over 300 people were injured from a crowd surge, um, the people that were at this concert said that they literally felt like they were in hell. If you watch any interview from this concert and the attendees, they will say the same thing. It felt like I was in hell. Taylor Swift, in her concert performance of the song Willow, she has people in hoods holding up lamps, which appear to be a literal witchcraft ceremony. Taylor Swift, who also is seen wearing a devil's mask in her music video for the song Karma, in which her lyrics literally state karma is a god. Sam Smith, he has a song called Unholy, where he dressed up as the devil and sang the song and performed at the Grammys with satanic imagery. Timothy 4.1 says that in the latter times, people will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So when you go see an entertainer, consider this. Is what you're listening to, is it praising God or is it offending God? The Weeknd also had a concert recently, and you can see on um, videos of his backdrop at his concert, the word Satan. It flashed twice behind him on the big screen. So that was pretty crazy. I mean, these people don't, they don't hide this stuff. You can't even make this up. Um, so you just have to realize how people get their fame. How, how did they get to this point in life when they're making millions of dollars selling records and publishing music when they have virtually zero talent? I mean, usually it has to do something with committing your soul to the devil. I've heard singers in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, who sound 10 times better than anyone I have ever listened to on the radio. But the difference is they'll never get anywhere because these people are singing about Jesus at 9 p.m. at night in downtown Gatlinburg. So there's something that they have that famous people don't have, and that's the Holy Spirit living in them. So influencers on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook have outright said that they've been presented with contracts that state that they can never say the word Jesus or Jesus is Lord or Jesus Christ is Lord. They have signed contracts that literally say that. Music artists and entertainment industry, they do the exact same thing. They just don't tell you about it. So don't even get me started on Doja Cat. Goodness gracious. She literally put her profile picture as a demon on social media a few weeks back. But ever since her 27th Illuminati birthday party last year, she's just been completely 
completely off the rails, but um, just go on her Instagram page. Look at the stuff that she posts. She has actively committed herself to the devil. She says in her song, I'm a demon lord. And people listen to her music on the radio like it's nothing. Like the words that she's saying isn't casting spells on you. Lil Nas, what does he do? He wears a Baphomet head on his outfits at concerts. And he has Illuminati satanic symbolism all around him as his backdrops. He also had a Nike limited edition Satan shoe, which he promoted and influenced. Lil Uzi Vert, let's say his name slow. What does that sound like? He's also said things in his songs that... Um, in one interview, the interviewer is telling him, hey, you know, your song, I Just Want to Rock, it's been in my head all day long. I just cannot get it out of my head. And Lil Uzi Vert looks at her and he says, yeah, it's hypnosis. He also says at one of his concerts that all of his attendees are going to hell and that they miss the rapture. How lovely to hear that. Um, he also wears upside down crosses all the time, which represents the mocking of Jesus Christ and the worships of Satan. So, um, listen to what this rapper Smart from New York says about the music industry. And disclaimer, there are a few cuss words in this interview that he did on this podcast, so I'm going to apologize for that in advance, but just take a listen. The music business is ran by the devil. So the music business is only designed to get as many people to go away from God as possible. So what happens is the devil needs workers, and by workers, he needs people who have influence who can mislead or misguide people away from the light into the darkness so this is why the artist is powerful so the artist is the mouthpiece okay that artist is the mouthpiece between the devil and the fan and the artist's job is to get you to throw up these weird signs what are you doing this for this is the box man i don't fuck with this i don't think i'm throwing this up and i, I don't fuck with this when you see the checkerboards, when you hear him talk about demon time and drill and kill and all this shit, even the actual beat and the BPM, it's all 808 drums. This is all low vibrational shit. The artist is only the... Sorry about that. My audio cut out. But basically what he's saying is that the artist is the tool that the music industry uses to push ideologies of Satanism, of the devil. But um, so you heard him say that the musicians will do like symbolic gestures, like, for example, Jay-Z, Rihanna, Beyonce, how they do the Rock Nation symbol. Um, you also see that symbol, the curse that people use, like the rock on symbol. That's actually a satanic curse that Aleister Crowley says Satanists use to put curses on people. Um, so you might think maybe I'm, you know, specifically targeting rap and R&B music, but it's not just that genre. It's rock and roll, it's pop music, it's literally every genre of music. So one example is um, Bob Dylan. In an interview, Bob Dylan says that he made a bargain a long time ago with the chief commander of this earth and the world that we cannot see. So he's definitely talking about Satan here, but um, you might see a lot of this stuff as innocent or you know mean nothing of it, or you might even completely be spiritually blind. And just call this shock art or whatever um, the entertainers are putting on their shows these days. But you might think that they might not actually believe in ritual sacrifice or spell casting through music. So if that's the case, then why would people like the lead singer of Rolling Stones say that he sold his soul to the devil while he was in prison? So even music like rock music is impacted by Satan. And really anything that you listen to that's not praising God or isn't praising the word of God... There's a purpose and a reason behind it. 
Like the rapper Smart said, the musician's sole purpose in life is to make a boatload of money, do whatever they want. They don't care how they get there. The Church of Satan's slogan is do what thou wilt. So Satan jumps on this by telling them that their art form needs to be a way to lead people to hell through spellcasting, through witchcraft, through the art form of music. So another example, Led Zeppelin's guitarist, Jimmy Page, he had an obsession with Aleister Crowley, which is one of the most famous occultists of all time. And then you have Katy Perry, who started out as a gospel singer. So she got introduced to the music industry at age 15, and she said that her gospel music wasn't working out. So she, quote, sold her soul to the devil. Blink-182's guitarist Matt Skiba says that he practices black magic and considers himself a pagan. So if you take music away, witches can't do witchcraft. But I say all this to say just be mindful of what you're listening to because the imagery and the art work that people put on their albums and their social media pages and their concerts, this is a huge telltale sign of where they pledge their allegiance to. So if someone's got the one eye showing, they're most likely a part of the Illuminati. They're most likely in the occult. That's a huge imagery. First telltale sign that they're in the occult is the one eye imagery. If you see any Freemasonry imagery, run. If you see anything with the seal of Satan on it, like I said before, Ariana Grande's music videos, run. So this is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, Enter in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are there that go in this way. Because straight and narrow is the gate which leads to life, and few people will find it. So it doesn't matter if you believe this or not. These people believe this. This is their religion. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So my only recommendation is you really just have to use your spiritual discernment and to not follow the way that leads to destruction, destruction just because your friends are doing it. So... That's my thoughts. So what do you guys think? Is is concert idol worship or is it just innocent fun? Mm, you tell me. You tell me. But um, that was all I wanted to touch on with that subject. And I did want to talk about one more thing too. Um, in the book of Daniel in the Bible, Old Testament, he talks about 10 kings that rise to power at the end times. And the Antichrist actually comes out of those 10 kings to become the 11th king. And why that's important is BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, these five nations that make up BRICS, they are creating a dollar that will compete with the U.S. dollar. Now, why does this matter and how does it relate to Bible prophecy? Well, first, let's go into what BRICS is. BRICS is a group of the five major emerging economies from different regions of the world. So like I said, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. The primary purpose behind the formation of BRICS is to foster cooperation and collaboration among these nations to address global and regional challenges, as well as promoting economic development and enhancing their influence globally. 
So in 2009, the first BRICS summit was held in Russia, where the leaders of those four countries, um, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, discussed global financial issues and the potential areas of cooperation. So at this summit, it was actually decided to institutionalize the BRIC grouping and hold annual summits. Now, South Africa joined in 2011, expanding the acronym from BRIC to BRICS. So the inclusion of South Africa was seen as a way to increase the representation of African countries to enhance their global influence. So since its formation, BRICS has held annual summits where the leaders from those member countries discuss a wide range of economic, political, strategic issues. But the group aims to promote cooperation among its members and just address global challenges. Now, their biggest thing is financial reform. They want to make a dollar, like I said before, that competes with the U.S. dollar and make that the global trading. So right now, the U.S. dollar is the main source of global trading, the main currency for global trade right now. Why that's a big deal is um, there's been invitations to attend the summit this year, August 22nd through the 24th, where they hold their annual meeting. It's going to be in South Africa this year. They have invited 67 leaders across Africa, Latin America, Asia, the Caribbean, South Africa, um, and I think a couple other nations. But they are announcing that they want to add five new nations to the current five nations that already exist in BRICS. Why does that matter? Because five plus five equals 10. And I believe, again, this is speculation. This is my opinion. I believe that these could be the 10 kings that are spoken about in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament that prophesies about the 10 kings that will exist at the end times before the second return of Christ, where the Antichrist rises out from. Now, um, the United Nations, the chairperson of the African Union Commission and the president of the New Development Bank have also been invited. Very fascinating. So business leaders are expected to be in attendance as well this year. 23 countries have formally applied to become part of new BRIC members. Um, The ones that are leading, that are essentially probably going to be the ones accepted into the BRICS nations, are Saudi Arabia, Iran, United Arab Emirates, Egypt, and Ethiopia. The reason why this is interesting to me is because these nations are also mentioned in the Bible at one point or another, throughout human history. These are also nations who are known to have enslaved the Israelites. So if they induct five new members to their organization this August at their summit, again, speculation, but this very well, in my opinion, could be the 10 kings that the book of Daniel is writing about in chapter 7, verse 24. Very, very crazy stuff is going on this month. I feel like so much has happened in the past 30 days alone. It's just been... It's just been a roller coaster that I just want to get off this ride. But um, that's all I wanted to talk about on this podcast. And I just wanted to come on here and say, um, you know, the music that you listen to is very, very much a portal that will open open your um, spiritual world to either principalities of darkness or you can use that music to worship God. And I think that a lot of the um, a lot of the way that the youth is going these days is to worship spiritual powers of darkness. So keep your eyes to the sky and just keep your mind on Jesus. Keep reading your Bibles. 
Um, listen to scholars about Bible prophecy. That's the biggest thing that can bring you peace right now is just understanding why things are happening and understanding what's going to happen next and just getting an idea of what the what the next few years is going to hold. I think that the next few years is going to be pretty chaotic, especially with the World Economics 2030 agenda and, you know, their seven-year plan to speed things up and to achieve these 15-minute cities and to achieve, um, you know, the climate change crisis, to achieve their goals for that. I think that a lot of a lot of things are going to happen very soon and very quickly. So just stay in your word, stay in the Bible, um, listen to people that know what they're talking about. I love listening to the Prophecy Pros podcast. That's a great source of information when it comes to Bible prophecy and world news. Um, Jack Hibbs, he's a great preacher that I like to listen to. Amir Sarfati, I get a lot of information from Amir in terms of Israel and things that go on in Israel. But stay safe out there, guys. Just stay in your word and, yeah, just love one another and try to stay away from these uh, crazy, crazy musicians that are preaching the word of Satan to you. Get out of there. Get your mind out of the gutter and get your eyes back in the Bible. That's all I got to say, y'all. Have a great week, and I will see you on episode four, where we're going to talk about the events of Bible prophecy and what's next on the timeline. So stay tuned next week. Hope you guys have a great day. Bye.